Before we begin, a reminder that nothing on this podcast is intended as a statement of faith, doctrine, or fellowship, and this podcast is not affiliated with any church, school, or calling body. Welcome to the Gird Up Podcast. My name is Charlie Ungemach, and we're glad that you're here. I'll be joined in just a moment by this week's guest, but before that, I want to say thank you to all those who help support the Gird Up Project. All of our content here at Gird Up is available free to anyone anywhere in the world who might benefit from our message, and we want to keep it that way. But we rely upon the contributions of our listeners in order to do so. You will never see any paywalls or exclusive content here at Gird Up. That being said, it does cost money to put a show like this together, so if you find what we're doing here valuable and you're willing and able to do so, please go to www.girdupministries.com, click on the menu, and select Buy Us a Cup of Coffee. That $5 donation goes a long way towards keeping this podcast going, and it helps us reach other men just like you. God's blessings, fellas. Enjoy the show. That's progress. More brothers. <laughs> More All right. Brothers. Welcome to the Gird Up Podcast. My name is Charlie Ungamak. You listen to a Brocast, which is our weekly show, joined as always by Connor Herter and Bryce Scusi. And our guest for two weeks in a row here, Jacob Klug. Jacob Klug. Get a little closer to the microphone there, Jacob. Klug. Otherwise, we're great. We're good to go. So, um, we normally would start out with uh, shout outs, but we figured we'd do a, little, a few corrections or updates from last week. So, Jacob, last week, um, we shouted you out, make sure we put your Instagram up and everything, made sure the world knew you were single. Any results from that? Yeah, three three awesome Christian guys followed me, and, <laughs> and uh, great brothers in the faith, and I'm, I'm happy that, that we can connect. Yeah. So This is good. Yeah. Connections. Good stuff. We yeah. love it. Yep. Yeah, you, you you can never have too many brothers. Yeah. What are you drinking? Goose. Drinking a New Glarus Staghorn Oktoberfest beer. Awesome. I'm still working on the this year's Costco uh, Bottled and Bond, which is 1792 Reserve, which is really good. Just finishing that off. Connor, what did we open today? Uh, Klug and I are working on the Basil Hayden by James B. Bean himself. Yeah, James B. Bean. Excellent. He be being great at whiskey. <laughs> I regret that. Yeah, yep. I'm sorry I said that. Is that Jim's brother? It. I'm pretty sure Jim, Jim is short for James. Is it really? Yeah. 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 Oh. yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm not 100% confident it's the same company, but it makes sense. We could look that up, I suppose. Yeah. I just assumed that Jim B. Beam was Jim, Jim Beam. Yeah, I that, agree with you. Yeah. That would make sense. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, who's got, uh, who are we shouting out today? Go ahead. My shout-out would be to the SEM faculty because they worked hard to set us all up with advisors for thesis. What are you writing with. your thesis on? I'm writing my thesis on a man named Herman Zasse. He's a 20th century Lutheran uh, professor, author. He's probably the last uh, world stage Lutheran. So I think like the echelon or the popularity of Billy Graham or Tim Keller. And um, I'm writing on him and his theology of church unity. So he'd be be after Walter. 
Yeah, yeah. I think um, 1930 to 1965. Okay. Probably for a career. Is he, is he German yeah, he or was American? ordained in Berlin. Same church as Bonhoeffer, if you know who that is. Yeah. Um, they were friends, uh, classmates, I think, or schoolmates. And um, he got through the war. He served in World War One as well. And um, really? finished his career in Australia after time in Germany. Started starting to confessionalize the Australian Lutheran Church. Awesome. I've heard that there's a budding Lutheran Church in Australia. I don't know like what kind of Lutheran, but I've heard that currently, as we speak, there's a budding movement of Lutherans growing in Australia, which is exciting. I think that'd be a fun place to serve, except for like everything can kill you for in sure. Australia. Yeah. We should get killed Hank's time here to talk about Australia. He grew up in Australia. Yeah. Bris- Brisbane, I think. Something like that. Sounds right. Yeah, uh, I'm going to shout out football, specifically college football. Like, it's the most exciting sport that we have here in the states. If you ask me, at least, it is absolutely fun to watch. Um, Connor's a Michigan fan, so Hardcore being living in a room with a Michigan fan, um, like Michigan, Wisconsin aren't that big rivals. They're just conference foes, but um, definitely not as big as some of the other rivalries. But man. Like it's just cool to see everybody's passionate about different teams. It's, it's you're way more like divided up than you are for the NFL season or whatever. Mm-hmm. And it's just so much more passion and pageantry that goes into it. And on top of that, um, like having had the opportunity to play and Bryce you to play college football, like the friendships and the memories from that too, just awesome. Like just sitting around, I saw a few of my old teammates at the uh, MLC game last weekend too, which was super fun. Nice. Um, and then also. Like just kind of reliving some of those memories, but then also having like it ties you even more to your alma mater um, than you would be if you weren't part of any extracurriculars or anything. So yeah, just all around shouting out football for uh, the good things it's done for me over the years and uh, all the excitement of uh, making. I mean, there's really nothing else going on in the fall that's fun except for homework. So yeah. that was sarcasm. Homework's not fun. <laughs> some of it's fun. I will actually. I said this to uh, Connor like yesterday or two days ago. Like. It is nice. Like I actually do enjoy my homework. I don't enjoy the volume of my homework, There's but I do enjoy right the work that we're doing. So that's that's awesome. For yeah. sure. Uh, for my shout-out this week, I'm going to shout-out Professor Geiger. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. In an effort to stave off the wonderful blessing that is uh, the cooking here at the seminary, <laughs> uh, Charlie and I have been getting up in the morning and going for a little walk, and pretty regularly we run into Professor Geiger and... Earlier this week, as we were walking by him, <laughs> he referred to us as his walking friends, and <laughs> you would have thought Charlie and I were a bunch of high school girls. Yeah, literally like fist bumping, yeah, and we like, yeah. he called us his friends. He goes, it was amazing. Good, what he More, said. He like yeah. he's got well, he's got those super intense eyes, right? And yeah, he just looks yeah. at us with a big smile and goes, "Good morning, my walking yeah. friends." Yeah. <laughs> and it absolutely made my day. One hundred percent made my day. It was glorious. I was like, we should yeah. make t-shirts called Geiger's Walking <laughs> Friends. And, yeah. yeah, It was great. Yeah, absolutely. Bryce? Uh, I'm going to shout out all blue-collar workers. Hey. Oh, I think that's go. that's one that goes sort of under the table, and we don't appreciate them enough because they really do keep our country running. And For sure. I work blue-collar jobs in summer, and the people I meet and the work they do – it's just really crazy how much actually needs to get done, and they do it. Yeah. What'd you do over the summer? I work at an electrical company, and I'm working on the side where 
we're putting wire up on telephone poles and through the ground and That's some sort of trench work. and getting everybody their Wi-Fi. Mm-hmm. Yeah, nice. You said you were putting uh, you were hanging wires over by Grandpa's house, huh? Yep, down in yeah, Salem, down by down by Silver Lake, down there. Mm-hmm. Cool. Nice. Yeah, we gotta go fishing sometime soon again too. Though you you yeah, got a job I'm now. I've got a yeah. job. Yeah. Yeah, but we so we got to go fishing before we get oh, assigned yeah, for EFT. Yeah, yeah. I do have a job. So we now. can, uh, yeah. I think I'm going Saturday. You going Saturday? Yeah. All right, that's exciting. You want to come? Maybe. Okay. We'll get back to you on that. Sounds All good. All right, and then uh, the last uh, correction or update, unless you guys have anything from last week, is I completely blew it on that poem. So here we go. Ready? Be strong by B. Maltby Babcock. This goes, be strong. We are not here to play, to dream, to drift. We had ha- we have hard work to do and loads to lift. Shun not the struggle. Face it, tis God's gift. Be strong. Say not the days are evil. Who's to blame? And fold your hands and acquiesce. Oh, shame. Stand up. Speak out and bravely in God's name. Be strong. Uh, it matters not how deep entrenched the wrong, how hard the battle goes, the day how long. Faint not. Fight on. Tomorrow comes the song. So that's the one I have memorized. That's, that's the one I like that to say when I'm running out of homework. Yeah, you weren't looking true. down at your screen at all. I wasn't. Yeah, I had to close my eyes and focus a little bit. But yeah, yep, awesome. Uh, how the how uh, Michigan's one and zero. Michigan is one and zero right Wisconsin's now. Wisconsin's one and zero. You're a Wisconsin fan. Yeah, went to the game. Fan. Georgia's one and zero. Georgia's one and zero. What was your game experience like? So. Maybe you've seen this on Facebook or on the internet. The speaker was too loud. People were complaining about it because oh, it was, yeah, it was just like, like, like the, like the public volume. address announcer or the like music, the music, the DJ. Huh. Yeah, it hurt my ears. Um, granted, I was sitting like on the speaker side in the second deck, so that is close to the to the speaker. But it was it was loud. Other than that, everything was fun. Jump around is special. Even more so at Camp Randall than, say, at a Badger volleyball game mm-hmm. or a basketball game. And they looked good in the second half. I think they settled in. They're going to be all right. Washington State isn't a slouch, though, so we'll have to see. Yeah, I didn't watch Georgia at all. How's Georgia doing? You said They're 1-0. Who'd they play? I forgot who they played. They All these big schools, they play all the smaller schools mm-hmm. first. And to begin with, yeah. Very forgettable games. But you think they're going to be able to sit at number one all year, or are they going to lose at some point? You know, I have the last couple of years, uh, Georgia has been amazing, and I just am not ready to give that up yet. So I think that they're going to be number one for the next couple of years also, because that'd be pretty cool. Yeah, they definitely earned that position, in my mm-hmm. opinion. I think I I would it, I would I'm not an expert by any means, but I would not be surprised to see Mich- both Michigan and Georgia in the playoff. But sure. I think Michigan has a better shot of going undefeated just because of the level of competition that Georgia plays. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Tennessee but, looks awfully good. They do. It's Tennessee, though. They'll blow it. <laughs> I'm not saying they're going to be terrible. I'm saying they're going to lose a game they shouldn't have somewhere along the way. Yeah. Well, we'll find out. There's only one way to find out, right? Awesome. Um, We are going to shout out Caleb Chim... Chimaluski. Chimaluski, thank you. We're going to shout out Chimmy again this week. He just was so generous with us over the summer. So I want to shout him out two weeks in a, in a row. Thank you, Chimmy. We appreciate you. If you would like to make a donation like Chimmy did, we call it a cup of coffee donation because for the price of a cup of coffee, you can help support the ministry we're doing here with young men. 
If you'd like to support or help fund the work we do here at Gird Up, go to www.girdup.com, select Buy Us a Cup of Coffee in the main menu, and make your donation there. Our most recent purchase here was our new microphone stands, and we got four real live actual microphone stands, and uh, we very much appreciate it. Everybody who donated, appreciate it. Um, what that does is it pays for our bills, and it also helps us upgrade our equipment. So anything you can do to help us out. We're thankful for you. Uh, This week's manly quote of the week is a Martin Luther King Jr. quote. He says, The ultimate measure of a man is not where he stands in moments of comfort and convenience, but where he stands at times of challenge and controversy. What do you think, fellas? Is he right? I was thinking of a quote. I don't have the quote. A paraphrase of Jordan Peterson, the psychologist. He was talking about how people, when they read back in history, they think about how, like, oh, I never would have been a Nazi or I never would have been um, part of the Russian Revolution, whatever. But what he says is, like, well, like, they're products of their time, too, and it's really hard to stand against the current and to speak up uh, against tyranny when no one else is and the SS is going to kill you for it. And so I think he's right on when he says it's about what you're doing when things look hairy yeah i was thinking um i was thinking about the idea of like putting in a a christian perspective the idea of what it's like to be a christian and to do the right things when nobody's watching and i think that kind of goes along with this quote too i mean you never really know who's watching but the fact that you're still actively living your life according to the precepts that that have been given to us shows a certain level of not necessarily commitment but it shows the quality and character that you have inside of you and so in the same way that when you're standing in the moment of struggle and you're bearing up under it like it's more impressive than when you're you know successful or you're celebrating or you're at the top of your game like that that's where my mind went when i read this quote Along with that, too, that second half where we stand in challenge and controversy, I thought about football right away because my mind just made this connection. And because our, th- our theme for my last season was iron sharpens iron. And it's it was sort of like, okay, I'm in this tough position. Am I going to learn from it? Am I going to progress from it? Or am I going to hold back and just sort of write it out and see what happens after that. Mm. And so I feel like not just for this the certain situation you're in at that given point in time, but the results that may come from it is a big part of this as well. Well, you don't really know. Uh, I, <laughs> the quote that immediately comes to my mind is, everybody wants to be a gangster until it's time to do gangster stuff. 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 Yeah, we'll <laughs> say stuff, right? Um and, uh, I mean, you can apply that to anybody. Everybody wants to be a cowboy until it's time to cowboy up, right? Yeah. Everybody wants to be a seminarian until it's time to do, until it's time to sit down and study, right? Mm-hmm. You can say that about anything. Everybody wants to be a salesman until you got a cold call, right? You can say it about anything. And, and the point is, unless there's resistance, you don't really know where you stand, right? You can walk around the world talking about how strong you are until you walk into the weight room. What you're saying doesn't matter in the weight room. you got to put up, right? Um, you can talk all you want about how tough you are until you know you're in a gunfight, and then you got to prove it, mm-hmm. or a fist fight, or whatever it is, right? Yeah. Now, for most of us, we're not going to end up in gunfights very often, 
on hopefully the uh, seminary not. campus, hopefully, hopefully right? Um, we're not getting punched in the face very often, but we do have challenges that we face every day, right? And so it could be little battles, like this is going to condemn us because we did not get up and walk this morning. No, I know. <laughs> but when your alarm goes off and you go, ah, I mm-hmm. stayed up too late last night, mm-hmm. right? And you choose to turn your alarm off instead of getting up and going to work out. Um, or you know, you start playing on your phone instead of doing your homework or whatever it is. When you start backing away from those difficult things that you ought to be doing in favor of doing something that's more comfortable, that reflects on your character. And so one of the things that I say to myself all the time, but then also would say a lot when I was working with kids more often, I'm sure I will continue to say it you know, in the future as well, is we do hard things so that hard things aren't so hard to do. right? Mm-hmm. So we're going to choose hard things to do so that when tough times come, then tough things will be easier to do. Plus, it makes those moments of comfort and convenience so much sweeter and easier to enjoy when you can stand there and say, I went through the struggle, I dealt with the challenges, and here I stand still perfectly comfortable now that I've made it through those. Like, it's easy to say you want a high position, but do you really know the struggle? For sure. The responsibility that comes with heavy is the head that wears the crown, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Love it. <laughs> I mean, if there's anybody that understood that, it was definitely Martin Luther King Jr. <laughs> for sure. Yeah. yeah. For sure. It has a heavy, heavy crown to wear. Awesome. Cool. Um, by the way, I didn't tell you guys this last week, um, but we're getting all those quotes from Mansfield's book, A Manly Man. Uh, he has a list of manly quotes in the back, so we'll eventually run out and I'll have to go find my own quotes. But um, it's a phenomenal read. One of my favorite books on masculinity and manhood. So I will never hesitate to plug Mansfield's book of manly men. It's a silly title for a very serious book about masculinity and manhood. So yeah, go read that one. It's a good one. Uh, Speaking of books though, we are reading together. Good news for anxious Christians by Philip Carey. This week we're on chapter two. Chapter two is called why you don't have to believe your intuitions are the Holy spirit. So uh, we're really going after the evangelical church last week and this week (laughs) here, Uh, but for good reason uh, in these particular in these particular issues. So uh, first question is, what is intuition, and why do people get their intuitions confused with the Holy Spirit? That's probably where we got to start here. So you guys want to kind of, because I thought I understood it better than I think I, well, I understand it now. Going into the chapter, I thought I had a pretty good grasp on what he was going to talk about, and it turned out I did not at all. So let's start there. Um, What is intuition? Well, one of the first things that I noticed is that he said that intuition is something that everybody has. So it's not unique to an individual. It's not unique to Christians or anything like that. Everybody is born with that innate sense of intuition. And I think what the author was kind of getting at is that intuition is something that maybe you could say your subconscious mind is picking up on that your your conscious mind isn't fully picking up on. And he talks more about uh, like skilled perception, and we'll get into that as we keep going. But those are some of the initial things I took away from the beginning of the chapter. Yeah, and the easy implication of that is... If non-Christians can't have an intuition, then it can't be the Holy Spirit. Right. Because by definition, unbelievers do not have the Holy Spirit living in their hearts. So it can't be the Spirit talking if they also have intuitions. Yeah. So then, like you said, skilled perception, we'll talk about that in a little bit. Why do Christians get their intuition confused with the Holy Spirit? That's the real question. Mm-hmm. I-, I was thinking part of it's because it's in the water, right? Um, because they're taught to, it's mm. everywhere in American Christianity. It's also, I think, like a natural enough thing 
everyone has a spiritual sense. You have a conscience, which is from God, and so it's not a giant leap, I, I think, logically, to yeah. then think that you've got... Blend those two together, yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, kind of like we talked about last week, like it's when you have a community um, that's consistently telling you that you have to consult you know, your inner self slash the Holy Spirit for everything you do, and you always have to like, check with God and make sure it's what He wants and all that. You're looking for, and you genuinely believe that's what you're that's what you're supposed to have. You're looking for anything. You're kind of grasping at straws for what possibly could that mean, right? And because we can't get inside of each other's heads and hearts and figure out what everybody else is talking about, I think when you then start experiencing intuition, and like Connor was talking about, um, as your intuition starts to be shaped more and more like Christ, it's going to look more and more like the Christian ideal, which makes it easier and easier to believe that it is the Holy Spirit. The challenge there, though, is that my intuitions, being of my sinful nature, are not always right. Mm-hmm. right? And if my intuitions aren't always correct, and so if the voice that I'm listening to inside of myself isn't always right, but I believe it's the Holy Spirit, then the only two options I have are to believe that either the Holy Spirit was wrong or I don't actually have the Holy Spirit and therefore I'm not a Christian. Mm-hmm. So either God isn't as big as I thought he was or I'm not actually a believer. Right. And those are both terrifying options. And you kind of go from zero to 100 on the, on the uh, I don't know, faith to try. I don't know what, yeah. I think there is like a third option that's more true, and that's that you can have a pious intuition that is like a pattern recognition of the way the scriptures speak about a situation. So maybe you're familiar with your Old Testament narratives, and you see the way Israel is supposed to act or not supposed to act, and then that becomes something that you find intuitive, like that kind of, it's like the behavior of your father becomes something that is intuition and and habit Mm -hmm. just because of what you've observed. And so if you are in the scriptures regularly, like many American Christians are, you might have some legitimate, pious intuition that's not perfect, and it's not direct revelation from the Spirit, but it isn't necessarily all wrong either, which is why this is hard. Yeah. Well, and to that point, you can trust your intuition if you're treating it as a tool. Right. Um, The example that he used, I think, is a phenomenal example, especially as somebody that I mean, all four of us enjoy sports. Right. So the Mm -hmm. sports analogies go, you know, for miles for us. But uh, the the example he used is a beginner basketball player has to constantly be thinking through what am I supposed to be doing? What do I do now? What decision am I supposed to make? They're thinking about dribbling the ball. They're walking through the plays in their head, Mm -hmm. all that kind of stuff. The more skilled you are as a basketball player, the less and less you're actually having like cognitive thoughts and you're thinking through what you're doing, and the more you are reading the situation and making the appropriate reactions to it, right? And it doesn't mean that you never make a mistake. It doesn't mean you never do the wrong thing. It doesn't mean that you never, you know, fumble the ball or whatever it might be. But the more you practice, and this is the word, the, the word that Connor was using, right, skilled perception, the more skills you have at figuring out what's going on and how to deal with the situation. And as a Christian who's constantly being reformed by the Holy Spirit, I'm also going to begin to be shaped by the fruits of the Spirit. Right? And so more and more and more, my heart's going to look like Christ's heart. And I can depend on my intuitions more and more because they're going to reflect Christian values and they're going to reflect the work that Christ has called me to do and so forth. 
but that does not mean that they're infallible. So they're a very useful tool, but dangerous if you regard them as the Word of God. Mm-hmm. And what you were saying, too, like using it as a tool, and what I thought of, too, was not searching for it within yourself, like trying to find that intuition and sort of force it to come out of you. Mm. And I think that society sort of brings out the worst of that because we we know that God has a plan for us, but I feel like a lot of people always say like, oh, God, God will lead you in the way he wants to go. God will show you what you want to do. And that's true. But I feel like people will take that information and say, okay, God has a plan for me. God will lead me in the right path. And then they look inside themselves. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Well, where do that. I, yeah, where do I find God? Outside of ourselves. Yeah, I find God in the... In the scriptures. In the scriptures, mm-hmm. right? So when I look into myself, what am I actually listening to? Your, yourself. Your own mm-hmm. sinful nature. Yeah, my sinful nature. Yeah. So what we ended up doing, like when, if you're, if, if we're training young people to behave this way, what we're really training people do is to do is call themselves Christian, but then instead of listening to Christ and his word, they're listening to their own sinful hearts to figure out what Christ would have them do. And you can, I mean, obviously that's a disconnect. Well, and they're really being like American. It's no surprise that this is an element of American Christianity. That we're products of the Great Awakening where you had to look at your own conversion experience. We're the most individualistic culture probably ever. You know, mm-hmm. so it's like we're showing our cards by trusting in ourselves more than, than we ought to. Absolutely. A lot for a good first question. Yeah, well, we kind of covered them all. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I don't know. The conclusion that I came to at the end of this here, kind of pulling out the main idea, knowing the Spirit does not depend on recognizing the feeling or intuition as the presence of the Spirit. It means knowing Christ through His Word, the Gospel, and trusting that the Spirit will do His work in us to bear fruit. And that result of the Spirit bearing fruit is that our feelings and intuitions will be the fruits of the Spirit, and our wills will be molded to Christ's will. So... You don't have to pretend that your intuition, or believe that your intuition is the voice of the Holy Spirit. We do know what God commands us. He's given us everything we need to know, and we find that in His Word. So look to Christ in His Word, trust your intuitions, but don't believe that they are the Word of God. Awesome. We're cruising. This is good. We can spend time chatting on the... On the uh, um, I'm excited about the big three today. We're gonna we're gonna have fun with that. Uh, before we do that, though, we're gonna talk about trivia. Okay. Now we've had a love hate relationship with trivia because there's yes. no such thing as doable difficult trivia. It's either like super obscure that nobody would ever know, or it's way too easy. So, uh, according to SignUpGenius.com, these are the four most difficult Bible questions. All right, let's see how we do. We got to do all right. Here we go. Number one, who is considered the 13th apostle to replace Judas Iscariot? Oh, we just learned, we just translated this, didn't we? In Acts with Herman, yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think I know it, but you guys had it recently. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Well, it was between... Matthias and Bartholomew, isn't it? Mm-hmm. And they mm-hmm. pick Matthias. 
They do pick yeah, Matthias. Nicely done. You went with your intuition there. I, you, you did go right. with your intuition. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, I looked outward toward the scriptures in order to find my answer. <laughs> you looked at me. I did. <laughs> well, you bear the scriptures in your oh, big old beautiful brain. That. So, All right. What unusual gift did King Herod promise his kind of daughter? <laughs> for I added the kind of part. Mm-hmm. Uh, what unusual gift did King Herod promise his daughter slash niece for her birthday? Up to half the kingdom? It was supposed to be a trick question, but you got it right. Nice job. What would the mistake, what would the, what would the incorrect answer be? I don't know. The, the head of, of John, John the Baptist. Because yeah. he didn't promise to the head of John the Baptist. He said anything up to half my kingdom. Nice. Yeah. yeah. So you guys it. got my tricky one. Yeah. All right. Because she looks right for advice, though. right? That's how yep. it, yeah. yeah. Yep. He does not promise her the head. He gives her the head. He promises her up to half the kingdom. Good mm-hmm. answer, Jacob. I can't trick Jacob. I would have got that wrong. You can trick me. <laughs> I was definitely going to say John right. the Baptist. Yep. Did. So was <laughs> What city mentioned in the book of Revelation is also the name of a major American city? Ooh. Philadelphia. Yes, sir. Nice Translate job. it. Philadelphias. Right. Yeah. Philadelphus. Yeah, you're transliterating it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Translate it. Uh, something of... I don't know. I don't well, what's Phila? I'm not good at Greek. <laughs> it's the city of brotherly love. Well, brotherly is kind of a misnomer, but the city of love, yeah. yeah. City of love. Yeah. We don't we don't want to... Well, Eris would be something different, right? That would be quite a city to visit. Yeah, that would be. Be. Oh, <laughs> Yikes. Yeah, I, we probably wouldn't visit, honestly. Actually, it would probably look kind of like Las Vegas, right? Yeah, probably. I think probably. so. Yeah. But Eris and Fila are two very different things. Shout yeah. out Las Vegas. Great city. It is It is a fun city. Hey, you guys remember that like two weeks during first year Greek where we all thought it was funny to be like, hey, I feel a you. Because <laughs> <laughs> nope. it, it means like brotherly love. Yeah. Mm. Anyway, I remember. Question number four. We are three for three so far. Question number four. Now, name the shortest verse in the Bible. Mm. Trick question. Isn't it? Isn't it? Trick question. There's two, I thought. Well, there's two verses that are two words. Yeah. Which one's actually shorter, though? John 11.35. See, <sighs> so yeah, once wept. again... He got you. <sighs> I thought you were just going to say Jesus wept, and I was going to say, yeah, but you didn't give me the reference. <laughs> but <laughs> you, oh, Yep, John 11.35. All right, we went four for four. Sorry, signupgenius.com. Your trivia is not difficult enough for seminarians. <laughs> All right, here's a trivia question. Okay, now get, you can lay try it on answer. us. Oh, what is the I didn't sign up for this. First name or proto name of Jerusalem? Salem yeah, Salem. Salem of the of the who? Chaldeans? Jebusites. Jebusites. That's why it's Jerusalem. Oh. Salem of the Jebusites. Um was it Mount Horeb before that? No. Mount Before it's before it's Mount uh, Mount Zion, it's another air. No, Ararat's where the Ark lands. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Um, you got it, Bryce? No, I'm trying to find it. I had no idea about. Is it? Were you making that up, or is that an actual thing? No, that's in Genesis. Because it really, I think when he meets Melchizedek, when Abram meets Melchizedek, he meets him at 
or in yeah he's the high priest of salem salem of the jebusites or he's the high priest of god forever but he's in salem yeah right does it say what mountain is jerusalem on he's probably oh, just gonna say mount zion i'll look huh? that up i was looking up a different question it's uh, you you forget sometimes that these places have a history from before for sure like it's not like Jerusalem was established the day that the Israelites decided to establish it, right? Right. And you kind of forget all that. Yeah. Mount Zion. Does that sound right? Yeah, but it had a different name before. It was called Mount Zion. The Judean Hills or the Judean Mountains. I don't know. There's that's, like a that's specific all I'm name. Oh, I see. Just like Mount Zion, but something else. Hey Siri, <laughs> what mountain is Jerusalem built on? Uh, Mount Scopus isn't what I was thinking, so... I don't know, maybe I was wrong. Mount Moriah? Yes, Yes, that's what I was thinking. Mount Moriah. Thank you, Bryce. Right, because that's where Isaac's maybe almost sacrificed, and then Jesus is... I still, like, I I know that, like, the ram and everything, but that's got to be an awkward walk home, you know? Like, three or four (laughs) days walking home with your dad after he just tied you up and put you on the fire... And, uh, I mean, yes, you you saw God, or you heard the voice of God telling you, maybe, maybe heard the voice of God telling your dad, okay, don't kill him after all, right? Other than that, you just went on a hiking trip with your dad to make a sacrifice. You get to the top of the mountain, and your dad ties you up and is about to kill you, and then decides to sacrifice a goat instead. That's got to put a little bit of tension on the family, you know? <laughs> I'm just saying. Thanksgiving's going to be different after that. Well, Maybe maybe he had one of those like men in black camera things. No. <laughs> no. Just flashed Isaac and was like, Oh, we we had this ram and we sacrificed Look, the ram. A ram. Yeah. <laughs> Perfect. God provided. Just completely forgot about it. You know? Yeah. Yeah. But that too. We we don't like sometimes we imagine that there aren't consequences for some of these things that happen in the scripture. But they were like, very he's real doing, people. Yeah. He's doing what God asked him to do. That doesn't mean that there aren't real consequences for it. Yeah. The, Just a thought. The best sermon I've ever heard on that was a chapel here by now a pastor, uh, Joel Hopper. So if you go back. Oh, you got to love Joel Hopper. I do. To my junior year, I think. Yeah, he was a middler. His sermon on that text was jaw-dropping. So if you've got a chance to go back in the seminary archives. What year would that be? Uh, what's three years ago? 2020? 2021. I don't know if it was in the fall or the spring, but the 2021 school year. Joel Hopper. You know, I'll find it. Okay. So you can you can listen. So one video. more reason to follow Klug on his uh, on his Instagram. I can put, I'll, I'll put it on Instagram. Klugaluga. Yeah. Perfect. <laughs> it's not Klugaluga. Oh, it's, it's Klugian. It's Klugian. Klugian. Yeah. That's right. It probably used to be Klugaluga. I, I like Klugaluga. You yeah. should change it again. Klugaluga is dope. Yeah. Well, you can't change it now because now. At least two people. <laughs> yeah. Follows you. Well, it wouldn't matter. They'll yeah. know. They'll it would see. just be one episode with the wrong link on it if you change your name now. But that's all right. Okay, I'll change it. All right. Kluga <laughs> Luga. Just for you, Charles. It. It's been awesome. Excited. Awesome. All right. Top three this week. Top three dream jobs. And since we're all studying to be pastors, you can't say pastor. So it's top three dream jobs. 
I'm curious, Clue, what you got, man? Just give us one for now. One? Okay. Uh, the first one I've got is being an old-time blacksmith. Ooh. I wish I would have thought of that. That's, That's a, a great one. answer. Is that number one or number three? Which way are we going? I think here? that's number two on oh. my list. Um, <laughs> okay. I love the idea of like my neighbor just being like, "Hey, Klug, I, I need a new helm." Like, <laughs> <laughs> can I get the thirteen fifty eight version of the helm? Like, mm, yeah, this new steel is pretty awesome. Like, yeah. come on, I, I got a bear to fight. Sounds uh, dope. That would be cool. That would be cool. Have you ever tried anything like that? I've tried one on. I have not tried making a helm. Well, not a helm, but just like any kind of like metalwork. No, no. no. You I don't wish like I had. weld or anything like that. I don't. That'd be cool. It would be. What is it? What draws you to that? Like, what's so, what 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 piques your interest? Probably being a nerd. Yeah, liking fantasy and liking medieval history and and okay. um, liking you know Lord of the Rings and yeah. all of that. Yeah. Did you see? Are you a Aragon fan? You ever read Aragon and so the Inheritance series? No, I haven't. It, oh, I haven't. it's fantastic. Yeah, it's fantastic. But I think he's I writing a new book. book you actually. see there? I did Christopher see that. Christopher yeah. Paulini's writing a new book. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. I didn't start reading until I was like, was like 20. So I've read like nothing. Okay. And everyone tells me, oh, you got to read this. And, oh, someday. Yeah, well, you've seen my bookshelves. Um, I'm about 80% through the books on the bookshelves. Um, we've got a long way to go. Got a long way to go. Yeah. Yeah. We should just sit in here and read together someday. This I'm... Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I got weird and awkward, but it's my fault. Okay, anyway, uh, bail me out, Bryce. <laughs> All right. So I don't understand why I'm so awkward. It's fine. It's okay, fine. You anyway. can cut it out if you need to. It's all good. No, it's staying in there. I'm not cutting it out. All right, so my number one was a, is a Navy SEAL. Ooh, I okay. When I was younger, that was my dream. And I did all my research papers and presentations and all that on the Navy SEALs. And if that, or if I wasn't here today, that's probably, if I would have made it, that's probably what I would be doing right now. Who's your favorite, like, SEAL on social media? I I don't know if he's on social media that much, but Marcus Luttrell. Mm. Okay. Mm-hmm. He's the he's the guy from Lone Survivor. Okay. The he he was the only guy that survived that mission. And it's in the name. The book it is in the name. <laughs> but the book he read I haven't I I've watched him like do clips of read read alouds or whatever where he he reads his own book and his own words and just he is such a inspirational guy as it were and he was talking about his process of getting into the seals and what he had to do and it was all just very intriguing fascinating and i was like i want to be that guy that's that's what i want to do did you know that he has a twin brother that's also a seal i did yeah and have you heard the story about them trading places i didn't hear that story like apparently like halfway or three quarters of the way through training um they thought it'd be funny one day i don't remember exactly what the reason was but for some reason marx was around and his brother's in training and they're twins so they just decided to trade places for the day and so the twin that's supposed to be in training is an instructor and the twin that's supposed to be an instructor is in training and they were going to switch back 
like at a certain point, and it was just going to be you know a joke, and nobody was going to know. But for some reason, I couldn't switch back, so I ended up having to do an entire day of training oh, no. <laughs> at his brother's oh, no. place. And the other brother got to be like a like an inspector and stuff all day long. He just basically got a whole day off of off of SEAL training. Yeah, that's awesome. Yep. <laughs> wow. Yeah, it pays to be, have a brother who's in high places, I guess. Yep. Yeah. Also, it's got to exactly- be crazy to have a twin brother that goes through all that, um, like. Because you like you've been through everything together, right? And then all of a sudden, your brother has all these experiences you've never had. And then I don't know. It's just cool to me that then his twin brother comes through later on, and then also kind of shares a lot of those experiences. Yeah, it's kind of mm-hmm. cool. Yeah, sweet. Uh, what would your specialty be? Oh, I don't know. I I didn't make it that far. It was more sort of, if I make it, I'll figure it out from there. But. <laughs> all right. It was just something. It was a dream. You think you would? You think you'd be able to get through seal uh, buds? If I had been training for it, like really hard for a long time, absolutely, yeah. But I have not been. I have been drinking beer. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think I'm tough enough. I'm not mentally tough enough. (laughs) I know I'm not mentally tough enough. Yeah. Like, I'm. I. Like. If I could be at my best the entire way through, that's one thing, right? But the the struggle with a, a place like Buds, and rightfully so, is that the you you have like a one second of quit in you, and you walk over there and you ring that bell and it's over. Yep. There is no like think about it for five minutes and come back or whatever it might be. And I would love to say, you know, like oh I would totally make it. I don't think I. I'm not confident I would. I am pretty confident I could do like ranger school or something like that, but it's a different set of it's a different dynamic and it's a different set of skills. It's like the swimming and like the all day all night stuff for like during hell week all that kind of stuff mm-hmm. that would probably do me in for SEAL teams. Now I don't think ranger school is necessarily that much easier just based on what I've read about it. Like read about both of them, I can't imagine that ranger schools that much easier but i think the way i'm put together is probably more manageable like for somebody like me mm-hmm. because you don't have that uh you don't have that looming bell right over you all the time right yeah. and you've got a buddy the whole time mm-hmm. so you put those two things together i think i would i think i could see that was my, so this is my this is also my number two was the military and I never really had a goal. I mean, I almost joined the military twice, like to the point where I had a signing date and stuff, like where I was going to go. So then, uh, um, and obviously neither time, it, it didn't pan out either time. Um, so my goal was always just to like go as far as I keep just signing up for schools and training and stuff and go as far as I possibly can until I just start not passing anymore, right? And so then wherever I start failing that's my level of highest training and just go do whatever i can at that level so whatever it might be right so go to ranger school and you know see what happens after that would be the goal yeah i think i'm put together in a way where i would be really successful in the military but i also think it would fundamentally change me in ways that probably don't want to be changed i don't think it would be good for my soul in my heart it's a hard thing to yeah maintain a spiritual life in the military i mean i have a hard enough it can be I have a hard enough time, like walking the line, even like here, mm-hmm. like at the seminary, where we're going to chapel every day. Everybody's studying to be a pastor. It's hard enough here, 
And you go into an environment like that where it's all machismo all the time and uh, people don't share your values. And that's a... I can imagine that being tough for me in particular. Yeah. yeah. But I think I would have been able to do it. Connor, what about you? I guess one of my dream jobs would be to be a photographer for uh, Michigan football. Like, I would love cool to be... Actually, there was a girl a year behind me at MLS who is now a photographer for Michigan and does their football games and stuff like that. So, yeah, it was when I saw her doing that, I was like, that's a job you can do. And I thought about it, I was like, that would be a lot of fun to do. <laughs> just spend your entire time, like, just being around those guys, being in that environment, and just being on the field and standing there and getting to watch front row seats, basically. Do you have a camera and stuff? No, I've always liked photography, but it was it always seemed like too expensive to get into. I mean, and outside of just the stuff you do with your phone nowadays, I, I don't really invest in anything else like that. I've got other things I need to spend money on, primarily tuition here at the <laughs> seminary. I've got a camera you can use if I'd, you want. Yeah, I'd love to. I was actually a photographer for MLS for a little bit. Nice. Mm-hmm. That's cool. You got a little artsy side to you, don't you? A little bit, yeah. I try not to bring it out too much, but it's there. <laughs> awesome. What's your number two, Bryce? Uh, my number two is a stay-at-home dad. So if there's oh, anyone... I didn't put that down, but I was That's tempted to. That's a great one. So if there's any uh, single woman listening that is making six figures or a lot of money that would like a stay-at-home dad, that could be me. That yeah, you could definitely be a trophy husband too. Absolutely. Just yeah. get him a gym membership, and uh, <laughs> take away the beer. Yeah, take away the beer, and he's going to be a trophy husband, and he's also going to be a great dad. Yeah. Yep. So I dig it. All right, I, I, you can pull I it can off, fold man. laundry pretty well. I scrub the floors. <laughs> I'll cook. Everything. I'll do it. I'll do it all. That's fine. <laughs> What's your best dish to cook? My best dish to cook, like the one I'm really good at, the, yeah. or the one that I like the most? Or the one you're good at. The Shouldn't one I'm good at. <laughs> right. I make a mean stir-fry. Mm. Ah. Like a, well, I call it a stir-fry, but it's more like a, it's more like a Thai Asian dish where you have the noodles and the chicken, and it's like a ter- like a spicy teriyaki sort of mm. deal. You know why they call it stir-fry? because you stir it while it fries yes sir yep. wow smart guy i would have never like telling you trophy husband material right there <laughs> <laughs> i love it yeah i love it i wish i would have thought of that myself because i would i think i feel i would have to have something going on outside the house but i, could, I feel sure. like i could be a stay-at-home dad i definitely i i don't think i could sit there and, and like not do something i'd have to have a little hobby to to keep me occupied I'd, yeah. I'd start a podcast for, for all sure. the stay-at-home dads mm. out there. Dude, oh, uh, yeah, yeah. We should just we should just all marry rich girls, mm. and then we could just all be stay-at-home dads and just keep doing this podcast as stay-at-home dads. That's not a bad idea. <laughs> and we could we could buy up a bunch of land out in the country somewhere and like have our own little homestead. Our our wives could buy. Yeah, could sorry, buy our land. wives could buy us houses <laughs> out in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> This is just I love it. Yep. I love it. All right. I, if I wasn't, I mean, you, you probably guess this, but I would love to be a cowboy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I would love to be a cowboy. I like to pretend I'm a cowboy. I mm-hmm. walk around wearing cowboy boots. Mm-hmm. I'm learning how to ride a horse. 
Um, I I can drive a tractor, right? I so maybe that makes you more of a farmer. It than is. A cowboy. It is. It is really cute on Friday nights when you bring your little horse head with the stick on it and ride around the the pod here. You're supposed so. to tell anybody about that. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> Her name is Sandy. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, I I don't know. I just something about it. Um, I don't even like horses that much. Like I, I'm not comfortable around. I shouldn't say don't like horses. I'm not comfortable around horses. But somehow, by by golly, I'm gonna be a cowboy. Mm-hmm. Just gotta figure it out. All right, my number two is a fishing tour guide. Oh, I would really enjoy that's that. That's a good one. Just to spend my entire day out on the water and like actively just going fishing every day would be fantastic for me. In inland lakes or open water? I guess it would probably be inland lakes because that's what I'm most familiar with and what where where my strength is. So that's that's probably where I'd spend the majority of my time. Awesome. Oh, we keep forgetting to shout out Garrett. Shout out Garrett. You're awesome. Yeah, shout out Garrett. Yeah, yeah. there's no reason not to shout him out. How about you? My number two is being a history professor. A medieval history professor. Ooh, yeah, that would be fun. That. I I'd that. love that. And your side job could be medieval. I could make um, armor for yeah. class. Oh, yeah, that, go together. It would be perfect. It. Yeah, you could be a yeah. blacksmith on the side. And a history professor. The key to this is definitely the rich wife. I think. Yeah. <laughs> There's a guy who was in my class at STEM. He he's um, working in construction now. He's a good guy, left on his own terms, and he made his own chainmail while he was a junior here. That's amazing. And he, um, I, I put it on once, and he's like, "All right, now I'm going to slash you with my with my hunting knife." Oh my gosh! And I was like, "Okay, race." Okay. Like, <laughs> he's like, "I won't stab you, just in case it breaks." I'm like, okay. <laughs> So far, we're okay. You're you're in one piece, so it must have worked. That's did you do it in the dorms? Yeah, he used a pliers and some steel like little O rings he bought. Yeah, okay. Look right above you on the ceiling. Right, you see where somebody was throwing a knife at the ceiling? I do. Yeah, we saw that like the day we moved in. It's like somebody had way too much fun in this room <laughs> for sure. So Probably maybe race. he just got mad when he was making chainmail. Yeah. <laughs> Shout out to Race. <laughs> awesome. Uh, what's your last one? So I, I really love reptiles, and so I was looking up like reptile handler jobs or like python hunters in the Everglades, but I came across one that would be pretty fun. It's it's called the, t- the official title is called a snake milker. <laughs> so you handle all the really venomous snakes, and you and you take and you make them bite something, and you milk the venom from their glands so that you can <laughs> so that you can they study it and then they make uh what are they called anti-venom anti-venoms and all that that's nuts that's nuts i was tempted to say like rodeo cowboy but i was like nah that's too dangerous this is more dangerous than that i feel like definitely more dangerous (laughs) i feel like it yeah gustav gustav actually was like signed up apparently was like signed up for uh, rodeo clown school at one point before he decided to come back and study to be a pastor. <laughs> I was not surprised. Yeah. Me. That's, yeah. All right. So, like, uh, do you deal with snakes and stuff now? Do you have, have you ever had like a pet snake or something like that? <laughs> I've never had one. My uncle has a shout out. My uncle Dan. He has a seven foot seven foot python as a pet right now, and so I. He lives down in Georgia, but sort of going down to visit, I've watched that snake grow up from one foot to as big as it is now. Does he call you Uncle Brace? The snake? Yeah. 
No. Oh, but okay. the snake's name is Ka. So that's pretty Ka, cool. Ka. Yeah, like from the Jungle Book. Ah, that is kind of oh, cool. Right. Does he hypnotize people? A little bit, yeah. A little bit? He's kind of, he's kind of scary, but he likes to snuggle. How many times snuggle. has he tried to eat you in sleep? Um, probably a solid two times. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, sounds like a fun pet. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. He's, he's great at snuggling. He's probably still better than a cat. Nice it's a really yeah. tight hug. <laughs> there was a man at my congregation in Myrtle who grew up in like backwoods Virginia and his church was a snake handling church so it's a church where you've got to prove you have the spirit in you by handling snakes because of there's some random passage in Acts that talks about the the apostles will not will get bitten by snakes and not be harmed or, or whatever and so they would handle snakes during the worship service and uh He's very happy to be Lutheran and be the church that's I, yeah, tame bet, yeah. when there's no snakes in, in the divine service. <laughs> Not on purpose, yeah. <laughs> you have like a garter snake or something in the church at some point, and you just be rolling his eyes like, Not again. This again? <laughs> <laughs> My last one was author. I might. I, I I love the idea of just being able to sit, like, read and write for a living. Just read and write for a living. I can't think of, I can't think of a better way to uh, to spend my life. And then just reading and writing all the time. I also love the idea of just wearing like tweed jackets and smoking a pipe and going to talk people yeah. about my book and you know. Yeah. Okay. I don't wanna and I don't wanna write fiction. I wanna write nonfiction books. Do tons of research, write nonfiction books. Maybe some like historical fiction or something like that. But actually one of my uh, the congregation I grew up in or what I was born into in Indiana. Uh, there's a guy named Jeff Schatzer. We got to get him on a podcast, but he's um, he's one of the most popular Santa Clauses in the Midwest. So wow. um, he's got he's written a couple of books called like uh, Santa's or the Burden Santa's Beard, the Bump on Santa's Noggin, all that kind of stuff. So he poses as Santa Claus, and then he also writes the book. But he also has a series that's like it's not really historical fiction. It's like they're kids' books that verge on historical fiction and i don't remember exactly what the books are called um but he's there's like a zany professor who invents a uh time machine and so he takes the kids back in time and they like go learn about history and all that and we used to use the one he wrote on the underground railroad during black history month at saloa and i've always i've always kind of wanted to just be like him someday just be Santa Claus in the winter and write books the rest of the year. We're working on it. I think that'd be super it. cool. We're working on it. Yeah, I know. I've got the white hair coming in and everything. <laughs> awesome. Do we miss um, anybody? Any yeah, last I got one? one I got one more. My third one would probably be a survival expert teaching to kids at a nonprofit summer camp. Like that'd that. Be cool. That'd be a lot of fun. I, I worked with a guy at a summer camp for a long time who was like the outdoors guy, and I always thought that was the best job to teach kids what things you can and cannot eat like throw them in a mud pile and that kind of stuff you know just just fun things you get to do and and spend your entire year just outdoors working with kids and that kind of stuff so yeah that's that would be a lot of fun for me that would be a lot of fun awesome yeah my third one would be uh being a lefty relief pitcher who only throws junk in the mlb (laughs) so i'm throwing a screwball but it's a left-handed screwball so it's reversed and just I'm just trying to mess with everyone with terrible pitches the whole time. Knuckleballs and everything. Yeah, all of it. Palm yeah. balls. Just this, the worst, most annoying pitcher in the MLB. Did you pitch in high school? No. No, I, I've always wanted to be a pitcher, but never been strong enough. I just couldn't. I didn't have it. Still so. waiting on a girl spurt, huh? Yeah, someday. <laughs> That's all right. Someday. <laughs> That's all right. But I love the idea of pitching. I love watching pitching. That's terrifying to me, too. 
Yeah. Being that close to the batter. And having it rocket it back at you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was probably 12 years old. I saw a kid take a ball off the face during a high school game. And he, like, broke... It literally broke, like, his whole face. It was, like, his cheekbone, his jaw, his... Yeah, skull fracture, like, all of it. And I've never been the same after that. Yeah. Yep. Even, like, spam ball. <laughs> I'm just terrified of this. Yeah. I'm, a, I'm a liability in the field. Yeah. That's cool, though. That's cool. You're a fun. fascinating guy, Clue. Thank just you. Saying. Thank you. That You're too kind. You said kind. Yeah, uh, kind. We keep talking kind. about kind versus nice. Yeah, we did he called talk me about kind. that for about an hour and a half. You're welcome. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks. Just for you. All right, this week. Oh, by the way, so Josh Rachi texted me this afternoon complaining that we are using the old litany. Right? So he has sent me now a copy of the new litany. So starting next week, we will use the updated uh, or pericope, I guess, is probably mm-hmm. the right word, not litany. Um, so we'll use the updated one starting next week. So sorry, Josh, you're gonna have to bear with us for one more week. Our our uh, our talks here won't quite match your sermon text. But Josh Rachi is <laughs> a pastor down in Albuquerque. He's a great dude. Listen to the podcast. So shout out to you guys. Um, Pentecost 16, Ezekiel 33 verses 7 through 11. This comes from the EHV translation. But I have appointed you, son of man, to be a watchman for the house of Israel. So whenever you hear my, a word from my mouth, you are to warn them from me. When I say to a wicked man, wicked man, you shall surely die. If you did not speak to warn the wicked man against his way, that wicked man will die because of his guilt. But I will also hold you responsible for his blood. I would hold you responsible for his blood. But if you do... do uh, somebody want to help me out here. I can't read to save I, my life. I can take it up. Uh, but if you do warn the wicked man to turn from his way, and he does not turn from his way, he will die because of his guilt, but you will live, but you will have saved your life. So you, son of man, say the following to the house of Israel. This is what you people are saying. Certainly our rebellion and our sins weigh us down, and because of them we are rotting away. How then can we live? Say to them, As I live, declares the Lord God, I take no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but rather that the wicked turn from their way and live. Turn back, turn back from your evil ways, for why should you die, O house of Israel? This is a tough one, man. This is a tough one because he just head on kind of dives into that idea of how come some are saved and not others. Hmm. Why would God create a world where... He know like why does God create people He knows He's not going to save, and not take pleasure in it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, He'd be really sadistic if He took pleasure in it, but it's not a whole lot. In from a worldly perspective, it's not a whole lot better to create them anyway, knowing that they're going to end up in eternity, in death for eternity, or in hell for eternity, right? And He says, "I don't take pleasure in it." Is that is that enough? You know what I mean? Take off your sandals. You're on holy ground. That's Professor Russo. Like when you ask questions that are beyond us, they're too wonderful, as Psalm 131 would say. Russo likes to say, "Take off your sandals. You're stepping on holy ground." Yeah. Yeah. You say more. Well, to go back to Psalm 131, the psalmist says. 
I don't concern myself with great matters or things too wonderful for me. But I've still inquieted my soul like a wean child with its mother, like a wean child at its mother's breast. Oh, Israel, put your hope in the Lord from now and forevermore. And so whatever the answer is to that question, the crux, telegorum, as it's called, the answer is wonderful. Now that breaks your brain and your human reason is offended that the answer to that question is wonderful. But whatever the answer is, it's wonderful. Yeah. It's uh, talking about Professor Nass on a similar token. Anytime at any of our courses when the topic would turn, or even in like private conversations, when a topic turns to somebody else's sin, right? And whether it's gossip, which Professor Nass, I don't think I've ever heard him engage in gossip, but if he hears gossip, right? Or if we're just having, I mean, because every once in a while somebody gets in trouble at school or whatever, and it ends up being something you have to talk about. Every conversation I've heard uh, where someone else's sin becomes the topic of conversation, at some point in that conversation, then he will say, but for the grace of God, go I. Mm. Right? And uh, he just kind of flips that narrative on its head. I can sit here and focus on how unfair God is and how unfair it seems for God to be doing what he's doing or for the world to work the way it does. or there's a, The list goes on for hours, right? Um what we really should be marveling at is that anyone was saved is that Christ sent his son that all men might have the opportunity to be saved right that that reward sits ready and waiting for anyone that puts their trust in him right and that for some reason he chose to love me right that's the shocking thing the shocking thing is not that the sinful stand condemned the shocking thing is that God chose to save me, right? But for the grace of God, there go I, right? That's what they're experiencing is what I deserve. How dare I stand here and say, why don't you give me what I deserve? Because that's really what you're doing when you start making an argument such as that. Right, Job 38 to 40. Job's like, why is all this evil happening? And then God finally responds after like the whole book of Job. And he goes on this rant almost. Where were you when I expanded the stars in the sky? Where were you when I made the sea and the dry land? Where were you when I made the Leviathan, whom you can't kill and I can? Where were you? Where were you? Stand up like a man. Do you discredit me and my justice to justify yourself? And then Job's response. I've, I've said too much. I, I, you're right, God. Who am I? I don't know anything. I th- I think along those lines too. In that last paragraph, just get just God's omnipotence and His holiness and His everything that we can't even wrap our head, heads around. He says, "As I live, I take no pleasure in the death of the, death of the wicked." And we know God is unbound by space and time. He is before time. He is after time. He is He is time and not time at the same time so it's kind of weird to think about but when he says as i live in our terms for ever for us to understand he's saying that he is unchanging and what he says is the truth in everyone's lives and all our lives all at the same time and that will never change and that will always be true 
from before the creation to eternity. Yeah. And to that point, I don't have the Hebrew in front of me. I didn't look at the Hebrew, but I'm about 90% sure that that's the oath formula. Right? So he's swearing by himself. He's swearing on himself the one thing that can be sworn on, right? That, like, there, there is no, like, God's word when he speaks it is true. There is no exception to that. And yet he still swears upon it, right? So there, he's, like, doubling down on this idea that don't you dare doubt that I take no delight. I take no pleasure in the death of the wicked. This is not something that brings me joy. And then he pleads with Israel, come back to me. For me, I was struck particularly by verse 8, where it talks about warning the wicked. And I know context is important when we read these type of verses, but especially in light of what we're pursuing here, you know, full-time, full-time work in the ministry. I can't count the number of times in my life where I've seen friends and family like clearly abandoning their faith and I've made my best effort and thought, you know, maybe that was enough. Maybe I, I did do enough to try to try to bring them back and I I don't know if we can ever say that we ever do enough. Like so if you have that person in your life, somebody that you see falling away, like don't stop trying to reach them. Don't stop trying to bring them back because you have no idea the power of the words that you're going to speak to them and the power of the words that you're going to quote from the Bible itself. I'm going to go ahead, Clue. Have you read The Horse and His Boy by C.S. Lewis? Yes. So the the boy um, gets saved by Aslan and then he kind of has this complaint. He's like, but there was this girl with me on the journey the whole time and what happened to her? And like, she was, she was hurt and He's all confused by her journey. He doesn't know that Aslan went back and visited her and, and saved her as well. But from his perspective, she just got struck with calamity again and right. again and again. And Aslan just looks at him and says, Son, we only get told our own story. I thought that was profound. Yeah. Like, yeah like, I like that. I like that a lot. Yeah. I'm going to bring something up based on what Connor said. That's been on my heart a whole bunch. There's a there's a there's somebody that I know fairly well, um, who has a friend that we all went to high school together with, right? Um, and I, I don't know him very well, but we all went to Lutheran high school together. Grew up a Christian, right? Now is a gay man living a homosexual lifestyle. Lives with his, I guess at that point it really doesn't matter if they live together or not. I guess, but um, you know, living living with his boyfriend, so on and so forth. Um, and uh, he said this friend is like plays bar sports with them, you know, like on on uh, intramural teams and things like that. Um, goes over to his house for holidays, all that kind of stuff. And the argument consistently is like, oh, you know, he's not a Christian anymore, or you know, who's going to witness to him if I if I don't, kind of a thing, right? Um, and that is a really challenging thing for me, right? And I understand where, from a worldly perspective, I understand where this person's coming from, right? Like, this is somebody I care about, somebody I love. This is somebody who, um, you know, I've been friends with for a while. I don't want to lose this friendship. All that, right? But what they're not doing is 
having those conversations that they need to have with them where they make it clear that, brother, you're living in sin. You've put yourself, your soul in danger, right? And our culture at the moment, especially Christian culture, just, I don't know what the word is, just kicks back at this idea that we would condemn the behavior of others, right? And it's almost hard to even just say this on a podcast, right? Um, And I'm by no means... I am by no means um, arguing that we should just, like, you never have a conversation with again, uh, slam the door in their face and walk away and so forth. But the New Testament makes really clear how we deal with apostates, right? He says, treat them like a tax collector or a sinner. If one of, your brother, one of these brothers, referring to the Christians, chooses to live that sinful lifestyle, you treat them the way you would a tax collector and sinner, which is a beautiful, beautiful way to look at that. Uh, because you don't, I mean, you wouldn't, as a Christian, you wouldn't, you know, openly mock a tax collector or sinner in a street. You're not going out of your way to make their life miserable. You know, you're not, you're still going to treat them with Christian love. But this isn't somebody that you're going to dinner with, that you're spending time in their home, that you're associating with on a daily basis, things like that, right? And it's a tough thing to say because it's so con- condemning in both directions. But I think particularly young people need to better understand the reality that when we have friends and family who choose to live in sin and we choose not to address that sin, what Scripture says is their blood is on our hands. That is terrifying. Now, feel free to push back if you disagree with me or add your thoughts. But while Connor was talking, that's exactly where my where my brain went. I mean, I I sort of have a similar situation to that where I know some high school friends, and I, w- I was talking to them, and they, they almost feel like they're not in a position to talk to them because the friend that's living in sin knows them too well and knows the sins that they have done. And... There, there have been situations where people have asked me, "Hey, can you talk to them?" Because like I'm not as close with them, or like it'll be, it'll mean more coming from you because you're studying to be a pastor and you're well versed or whatever. <laughs> I hate that so I, much. I, yeah, which yeah, it's not right. And I always tell them that it's best to hear it from you because if you truly are their closest friend, then that's going to hit them harder than anyone else telling them and there it it might flip a switch in their head or it might just get them thinking about it and that's exactly what you need to do that's what they need to hear and since you are if you're in that position and you're their best friend and you know they're living in sin just have that conversation because they need to hear it and they need to hear it from someone they trust and they love also even though it's going to hurt and it's going to be hard it is necessary. Yeah, and we're not talking about like blowout fights and arguments and mm-hmm. that kind of a thing, right? Nope. We can have these conversations in love. Mm-hmm. We can have these conversations in love. And there will be consequences. They might be positive. They're probably going to be negative. But there will be consequences. But there are eternal consequences to what happens on this earth as well. 
it's especially difficult, like you were saying, Bryce, when you are close with that individual because they know you so personally. They know the sins that you've committed in your life. Own that. Like, own the fact that you're a sinner. Be an example for them and say, yep, I am a sinner, but it's something that I struggle with every day, and it's not me struggling by myself. I have the assurance of my Savior willing to look at me and look at me and still see perfection. That's not a license to sin and go out and do whatever you want to do or try to push the Savior to the po- to the breaking point and how much he is willing to forgive. But when you own that fact and then you still profess your faith to that indiv- individual, it shows that there is a way to fight back against that fleshly desire that's taking over your life. Well, and the pushback oftentimes, in my experience at least, is like, well, I'm still a Christian. I just don't agree with this or I just... I, it feels right. natural to do this, that, or whatever. Pick and choose. But yeah. I mean, go read Romans seven, man. If you are, if you are, faith is having the Spirit living in my heart, right? So if I have the Spirit living in my heart, I'm going to have faith, and I'm going to do what the Spirit says, right? The Spirit inspired scriptures dictate that this is a sin. So if I love my Lord, now we are not perfect, and we do not follow the law perfectly, and we cannot expect each other to because <laughs> it's impossible for simple human beings, mm-hmm. but. If the Spirit lives in my heart and I have faith, I will do what the Spirit calls me to do or commands me to do. And if I will not do what the Spirit calls me to do, if I will not walk in the way, then the Spirit is not the guiding force in my life. And I cannot claim to be a Christian and walk in opposition and apposition to the Word of God. Right. So we need to recognize that these are eternity or the, that these uh, that these decisions have consequences in eternity, and as difficult it, and I'm a hypocrite for your saying this because I don't have these conversations either, right? <laughs> but they have consequences in eternity, and as uncomfortable as it is to have this conversation, how much more uncomfortable is it going to be to stand next to their casket and wish you'd said something, mm-hmm. right? How much more difficult is it going to be um, recognizing? In eternity, I mean, now, in eternity, we're not going to have any sickness or crying or tears or whatever. Would you rather have them in eternity with you after an uncomfortable conversation, or would you rather know that they will not be in eternity with you because you haven't had the conversation? It kind of goes to that fictitious story of you're standing there on the last day next to said friend, and they look at you as they're about to receive divine judgment, and they go, why didn't you tell me? Why didn't you tell me this was all real? Why didn't you warn me more? Yeah, this is condemning for me too. It's it's really tough with old high school friends or, or whatever because these conversations are so gut-wrenching and uncomfortable. I think what what's helpful as I try and do it and think about it is that I need to not think about the results. It's not even about whether or not things turn around even though it is about you're concerned about their soul but sometimes you're called to preach and the word is going to harden them because they're judged that's not your call but like jeremiah and jeremiah 7 i think or 25 and 25 zachariah as well probably ezekiel i would guess like god says like you're called to speak my word and that group of people is going to get hardened by this word. Mm-hmm. But it's finally 
like in an ultimate way. It's not about what happens, right? It's about honoring God and listening to what God says. And that's offensive to me. It's offensive to all of you, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. And finally, of course, you want you want them to live. You want them to repent, right? Just like the end of the verse in Ezekiel. But finally, like to put the pressure of the results on it is just an obstacle. It's about honoring God and whether you've been asked to preach to someone in judgment and it's hardening or they're going to turn around that's not your call but boy that's tough like i like i speak big but that is so hard to do yes it's uncomfortable yeah (laughs) we need to talk about you being a lions fan yeah this is totally still have consequences in eternity yeah (laughs) uh final score lions game 21 20 lions over the chiefs yes yes it is fun to watch the chiefs lose Absolutely. Yeah. I don't know about watching the Lions win, but it is fun to watch the Chiefs. It's a good day to be a Lions fan. All right, fellas, I appreciate you. Well, we ended on a strong and tough note there. Yeah. Um, Jake, we had you on two weeks in a row, brother. You are a blessing. You, right, first of all, you are insanely smart, right? You're well read. You've got a heart of gold. You're probably better at this whole podcasting thing than we are. Um, it's been a blessing to have you on, man. You're too We're kind. We're going to have you back on again sometime soon because... You, you know, every year of your life, you don't know who you're going to meet and become friends with. And sometimes that's amazing. Sometimes that's hard. And sometimes it comes with blessings you don't expect. And so to be able to talk with, with you guys is a tremendous blessing. Thank you. Yeah. You're too kind. Awesome. Kind, not nice. <laughs> <laughs> what Kind, do, not nice. What's the difference? Oh, oh no. Nice don't go there. Don't go there. Kind is active. We don't have the hour and a half it's going to take for us to <laughs> Don't listen to Charlie. <laughs> they don't agree with me, but I'll just, not whole, not completely at least. I'll, I'll Google it. No, don't Google it. That's not <laughs> Anyway, all right. Uh, on the way out here, where can you find Klug? Well, soon at uh, Klugaluga on Instagram because <laughs> you want me to change it, so I will. And then also uh, Facebook, Jacob Klug. Awesome. Connor? Uh, on Facebook, I'm just Connor Herder. Uh I think, oh, my uh, Instagram is Connor.Herder, so mildly different. Bryce? My Instagram is Bruce.Goose, like the animal, <laughs> and then four. So Bruce.Goose4. And then uh, my, my email, because I'm old and I work like that, <laughs> it is Goosey, G-U-S-E, dot Bryce, B-R-I-C-E, at Yahoo.com. All right, you want to throw something else in there? Yeah, I forgot. Um, I found out how to make a public account on Snapchat. So oh. not just like my personal, but it's also oh. like you can see the stories in that tab to the right. And so I put a Bible verse with a little like picture, like a picture, like the Bible, like the version Bible ones, but I make them custom sure, sure. Uh, just about every day. So if that's what you want in your day, um, you can add me on Snap at K-L-U-G-I-A-N, Klugian. Awesome. All right, and you can find me at girdup underscore b underscore a underscore man on Instagram. Find me at Charlie Ungamak on Facebook. The website is www.girdupministries.com. Uh, all those links will be in the uh, show notes below. Thank you, gentlemen, for being on the show. Uh, guys who are listening, God bless you. Go be the man that God created you to be. And we'll talk to you next week.
On behalf of all those involved in producing, recording, editing, and distributing this episode, thank you for listening to the Gird Up Podcast. If you'd like to contact us with comments, questions, or suggestions, you can reach out to us at any of the links in the description below or on our website. Please consider supporting the work of Gird Up Ministries by donating on Patreon, shopping at our online store, or making a $5 cup of coffee donation at www.girdupministries.com. Those donations help us make more great content just like this for young men just like you. Make sure you like, friend, follow, and subscribe to Gird Up and all of our guests on your social media platforms, and consider leaving a five-star rating and review wherever you listen to the Gird Up podcast so that others can find us and be blessed by our content too. As always, thanks for listening. Now go and be the man that God created you to be. We'll see you next time.